is an audio platform created to educate, inform, and empower women to take charge of their physical and mental health. Join Shalana Battle and her occasional guests as they discuss many issues and health topics that concern women. While many health tips and advice will be discussed on this platform by licensed professionals, it should not take the place of seeking help from your own physician or therapist. If you feel that you need professional advice or medical assistance, do not hesitate to contact your provider. Now, let's get to the show. The Healthy Inspirations Conference is an interactive, live, and virtual experience that was designed to inspire women to focus on their inner woman and to provide them with the necessary tools to improve their health and well-being. This conference will allow women from all over to connect, network, and support one another as they begin their journey to optimal health. Participants can look forward to discussing topics from sex and relationships to menstrual problems, menopause, pelvic floor dysfunction, mental health, and so much more. Unlike most virtual health conferences, this will be a fun, interactive experience with food, drinks, DJs, makeup, and fashion tutorials. Hosted by two qualified and experienced healthcare professionals, Dr. Shalana Battle and Dr. Nia Spicer-Thomas. You have so much to look forward to from this conference. You don't want to miss this opportunity, so book your seat now and get ready to reveal the beauty inside you. Hey sis, and welcome to another episode of the Eavesdrop Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shalana Battle, and I am so excited to bring you this episode today. As you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and although breast cancer is an issue that affects many women every day, we set aside this month to recognize those who have lost their lives to breast cancer, those who are battling breast cancer, and those who have survived it. This is also a good month to bring awareness to the importance of screening and all of the preventable services that are available for women. Today, we have a special guest with us. Her name is Trisha Barrett. She is a mother, a wife, a businesswoman, a child of God, and a breast cancer survivor. She has a powerful testimony full of strength, full of courage, and she is just so knowledgeable, and I can't wait for her to share her journey with you. So without further ado, here is the conversation. Trisha, how are you? Hi, good morning. I am great. Awesome. Welcome to the eavesdrop. So October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This is a time where everything goes pink. We mm-hmm. pull out our pink gear, we pull out our ribbons, but we know that this month is more than just about wearing pink. Um, it's really about creating awareness about breast right. cancer, remembering those we've lost honoring survivors and just showing support to those who are battling breast cancer. 
And I would like to thank you for answering the call and for your willingness to share your story and talk about your journey with us. I heard your story on IG Live with Jennifer Wade and it was very inspiring. And I am so honored that you thought it not robbery to just share your story here with the eavesdrop family. But before we get into your story, I would love for you to introduce yourself to those who are listening. Good morning again, and thank you so much for having me. Um, I do appreciate it. I'm just really overwhelmed with gratitude when anyone is like, Trish, come and share your story. You know, let us hear from you. So I truly appreciate it, and I feel privileged to be here. So thank you. So my name is Trisha Barrett. I am a wife. I'm a mom. I have worked um, in the field of counseling and um, therapy, mental health, child welfare. We adopted our oldest daughter from the child welfare system. Um, so we have a big family of six kids and a blended family. I'm a woman of faith. I believe in God and I thank him for everything that he's allowed me to just experience through all of this to bring me to this morning, you know, to bring me to this point right here where I'm with you and getting to just share. And hopefully there's something that someone hears today will either encourage them to take action for their breast health or just inspire them, um, you know, to reach out to others as well. So thank you again for having me. Yes, thank you so much again for being here. As you said before, you are a breast cancer survivor. Can you share your story with us? Oh, absolutely. So I was diagnosed with stage three invasive breast cancer in July 2017. But to really kind of understand how I got to that diagnosis point, I have to take you guys back a year to June 2016, where that was the time where I would normally have my annual mammogram. So, you know, like I mentioned, I'm a mom of six kids and usually throughout the school year, I'm doing everything for the kids, sports, pick up or drop off all these things. So I would wait until the summertime to take care of myself and to do all my annuals. So between June and August, I would get, you know, my pap smear, go see my PCP for lab work and do my, my mammogram. I had been doing mammogram for the past 10 years up to that point because my mom is also a breast cancer survivor. And having that first degree relative, me being proactive about my health with me getting my screenings every single year. But in 2016, that month of June was busy. I mean, busy. <laughs> I started a new job as a um, consultant to the Department of Children and Families. My husband and our two younger kids, we were actually taking an international mission trip um, abroad. And our daughter was also doing her um orientation at Northeastern University in Boston. So there was a lot of traveling going on, a lot of moving parts, a lot of family stuff um, that was happening. So I canceled my appointment. I canceled them and I said, you know what, I'll do them in December. Cause you know, again, the holiday time is another break time where kids are not in school, things are, you know, just settled. People are kind of like in a slower motion. So I figured I would get it in right between that week between Christmas and New Year where, you know, everything's just um, a little a little easier to handle. And so December comes around and I have these appointments scheduled now for December, I put them off six months, but unfortunately life happened again. And in December um, of 2016, my father unexpectedly um, died of a heart attack five days before Christmas. So there we go again, that because life happened, I put my self-care back on the back burner once again. And then seven months later, now, after all just the stress, the hormones and everything that was going on in my body, I was diagnosed with stage three in breast cancer. By the time I found the tumor, because I actually felt it doing a self-exam, 
And by the time I felt it, it was the size of a lemon. And that's usually what happens when we delay screenings is that the cancer progresses. And so it wasn't only in my breast tissue, it also broke off and was now in my lymph nodes under my left arm as well. So it, the, the cancer was, you know, it was moving. So thankfully I did get back to, you know, just taking care of myself, doing my self-exam, but I, I mean, I was grieving for all those months. And again, you know, life happens. And for me, I'm looking back, that was the excuse of why I put those screenings off was that life was busy, life was happening. I was grieving, but doing all of those things and not doing the necessary things just put me in that position of having to walk this um, this journey of a cancer diagnosis. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that like early detection is mm-hmm. the best way. As women, we, we wear so many hats and then we put everything first and then we put ourselves and our health last. And as women, we have to get back out there and just start back with mm-hmm. our screening and another thing that kind of has put us all off is COVID women did not go back to get their mammograms mm-hmm. right to get back and do that yeah so and that's actually yeah. I was gonna say that's actually an issue right now mm-hmm. um in 2021 and moving into the new year is that for so many years it was kind of going on the decline as far as um in like later stage diagnosis some of these things were going on the decline but because of 2020 and everyone stayed home, just afraid of COVID and not doing these annual and necessary screenings, now people are coming back and going for them. And the cancer is there because unfortunately, cancer doesn't stop for COVID. Cancer progression does not stop for anything. It didn't stop for my dad dying. It didn't stop for our baby girl going to college. It doesn't stop um, you know, for, for the things of life. And now researchers and healthcare professionals are seeing women now being diagnosed with later stage and more aggressive cancers because literally similar to my case, a whole year went by that nothing was done. So instead of being able to catch it early and that, that detection is so important, mammograms are so important because thinking about my personal story, had if the cancer was there back in 2017 and I had that mammogram, we could have caught that cancer when it was the size of a grape. And when a tumor is the size of a grape, they're just able to do an incision in your breast, remove that tumor with a little extra tissue, and, and that's it. And then you have options. Do I want chemo? Do I want radiation? Do I just want a pill? Do I want to, like you have all these different options of how your treatment can be and it's less dramatic than what it is when I was diagnosed with stage three and I had to do everything. There, there were not that many options. And again, when you do a, what's called a lumpectomy where just the tumor itself is removed, you're able to save your breast. You're able to still have your natural breast. It might just be a little smaller because some tissue was removed. So you're able to keep your natural breast, able to keep your nipple. At stage three, I lost my entire left breast. So now I have something here <laughs> that's a prop. I like to call this is my prop, <laughs> right? So I have a, <clears throat> excuse me, a prop right now. And I did have to go through all of the invasive treatments of chemotherapy, of surgery, of radiation. And like I said, I always tell people that a, a smart person can learn from their own mistakes. So I've learned from my own mistakes, right? But a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. I made the mistake of delaying my screening due to life and situations. And again, I know COVID is out there. I know we're still in, you know, this pandemic and it's not as serious as as it was even a year ago, but put on your mask, put on two masks, do whatever, 
um, you know, walk, I walk with my sanitizing spray, right? So I make, I have my nice little homemade sanitizing spray with alcohol, tea tree oil, purified. Look, I walk everywhere and I'm like spraying it around like pixie dust, right? Do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel safe. But we've got to get women in general to get these screenings. And we've got to get our Black and Caribbean women doing these screenings because that group is dying from cancer 40% more than other races. And we're not the ones diagnosed them. And that's a number that we have full control over because mm. in the general population with other races, one in eight women would be diagnosed with cancer. In the Black and Caribbean community, it's one in nine. So we're not being diagnosed as, as often with breast cancer, but we're dying 40% more than every other race. And, and we own that because that, that means we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not going for the screenings. And like you said, you know, when you started, like this is the month where everything turned pink, right? Everything is pink. But we're, we're pinked out. We, we're all aware. I don't think there's anyone here in my voice right now that can say they've never heard of breast cancer, which means if you've heard of it, you're aware of it. But now's the time to definitely take action about it. And mammograms are key. They're key. It is. And then I think another thing that we don't do as Black women is we don't talk about our health, mm -hmm. but I think that we have to really get it together and just talk about, hey, you know, I, I had this in my history. Right. Know, I had this in my history because right. when we get together and we discuss these things, you're able to have the conversation with your provider. And then as mm -hmm. a provider, you're able to provide the different type of screenings that might be necessary for you. And so I want to ask you, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, that's a great question, because I barely even know how old I am right now. I believe I was 42 <laughs> years old. Yeah, I'd have to get kind of paper to that, but I believe I was 42. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually started chemo the day after, yeah, my 43rd birthday. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the day after. Okay. And so... <clears throat> Did they offer you the BRCA analysis, the BRCA one and two analysis? Right. So yes. So when my mom was diagnosed, that was something that we did. Then, and right for any of your listeners that are not aware, so the BRCA one and BRCA two are gene mutations that basically indicate that you can develop breast cancer. Um, and so that's the most popular one. There are other mutations as well, but those two are like you know the tried and true one we know for sure. And, you know, you guys may have heard of like Angelina Jolie when she had her double mastectomy and the hysterectomy and people were like, what is this lady doing? But it's because she carried the BRCA gene, which gave her an 85% chance of developing breast cancer. So when you do that genetic testing, again, it puts you in the driver's seat and you can take that full control to say, well, right. this is what I'm going to do. And in her case, right, she had that double mastectomy, just removed all the breast tissue to, to lessen her uh, chance of developing breast cancer. So the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genetic testing, again, is something that we're not doing enough in our community, but it's something that, that should be done, especially if someone in your family, um, you know, has a history of cancer. So we did that when my mom was diagnosed and there were no genetic mutation components. I did genetic testing again when I was diagnosed and there's no genetic, you know, predisposition. And that's the way cancer is. Only about 10% of cancer diagnosis, breast cancer diagnosis, come from a gene mutation. That's why the other 85% of us, we need to be out here having these conversations, like you said, with our family. We talk about everything else under the sun, right? We talk about people. We talk about the housewives that we don't even know. And we talk about them like we know them. We talk about everything else and what's going on in people's lives or what's going on in the country or what's going on, whatever. And it's like, no, 
let's talk about breath. We need to be talking about breath. We need to know that grandma, auntie, and you're so right in, in the community, they don't do it. And I remember we did one of our I Pledge Breast Health workshops. And one of the participants, she's, I think, like 50 something years old and just found out that a couple of years ago, her aunt had breast cancer. And it was like, how come no one in the family knew? And the only, she has four kids and only one of her kids knew that she had it because she needed somebody to drive her from surgery. But she went through the whole treatment, everything. She retired from her job and everybody just thought like, oh, okay, she's tired of working. And she never told anyone else in the family. And the only way this um, lady found out was the grandmother slipped up and told her. You, see? you know, it was, it was an accidental revelation. Mm-hmm. And then she had to call her on and say, Auntie, why didn't you tell me? Like, why didn't you tell all of us? And so, of course, and that's, that's her dad's sister. Yeah, exactly. And I get that a lot, too, when I speak with patients and I ask them about their medical history. I may ask them if anyone in their family has breast cancer or ovarian cancer. And, and then they're like, I think my great grandmother or somebody might have had breast cancer, but I'm not sure. Nobody's really talking about it. So now when you go through something like this, you have to have a support system. Um, did you have a support network and who was your circle of support? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Yes, I did have a support system and I'm really thankful to God for that, that I had people that came alongside me. You know, I have a family as well. So my husband, my mom, my kids, of course, were that I have a women's Bible study group that they just jumped right in and friends and what have you. And then I forgot to mention in my introduction that I'm the board chair for an organization, cancer support organization, local here in Southwest Miami-Dade County, Praying Pink, and they were a huge support as well. And they were the ones that really helped me to even integrate my faith into, you know, um, that uh, section of my treatment because I met them right before I had surgery. But, and it was in sections, you know, it was in sections. So when I was going through chemotherapy, I had, you know, like my son, he was here to keep me hydrated. He made sure my water bottle was always full. You know, my daughter came with me to appointments to write things down because you, you don't remember anything. There's a lot of information coming at you real fast and the healthcare professionals, sometimes they just kind of run through everything because they're like, that's what they do every day, right? So they're like, okay, this, 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 this. They give you this like, you know, uh, folder with full of information and because they do an orientation before you start chemotherapy. And I'm like, it's literally five, six minutes long. And then all of a sudden you're getting like this infusion and you're like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's happening? So my daughter would come with me to take down notes and what have you. So that way, when, when just different instructions or things they would tell me for when I get home, she'll be able to remind me because I promise you, your mind is after you get chemo. Like I said, then I had friends that cooked me dinner, um, you know, and brought food over. I had my women's uh, Bible study group that again, too, they came over, they prayed with me, they sat with me, um, you know, they would do things. And then um, after surgery, my mom came and stayed with me for a few weeks. And I was staying downstairs in the chase lounge. We have a two two story um, home, and so I of course couldn't walk upstairs after surgery and just all the drains and everything. So my mom slept on the couch next to me <clears throat> for like maybe two weeks, and she would wake up like at two in the morning, give me my medication, pray over me that time, and then 
with radiation, with all of that, I burned a lot of skin on the left side. And, and my husband, like he was in here, like he just, he jumped in, he jumped in like Doogie Howser MD. So he yeah. would like, you know, wrap my, um, wrap the, the burns. He would put the cream on, he would just take care of me and, um, and so like just at every stage, whether it was chemo, surgery, radiation, I did have people that, you know, came alongside me and supported me and that was everything. And then, like I said, the ladies of Korean Pink, they actually gave me something to do with this diagnosis. I was like the Saturday before surgery, I had surgery on a Tuesday, the mastectomy to remove the left breast. And that Saturday before I was headed home after running errands, you know, you're trying to get all your ducks in a row before I got to be in the hospital. And I saw there was a community fair happening and I saw a sign for comforters. And I was like, you know what? I don't eat fried food all the time, but I'm going to get some comforters today because look, I'm having surgery Tuesday. I don't know if this is going to be my last stuff or like, let me get in there and get my comforters. And when I got the comforters and was walking back to my car, I saw a table full of pink what caught my eye and <clears throat> I want to introduce myself and the founder Devon Waters Davis um you know when I told her that I was having surgery coming up she just had everybody stop you know what they were doing all the ladies came around me and then even that Tuesday morning because you have to be like at three up like at seven in the morning and Devon texted me like early that morning that I was able to just read and just affirmation that she was just reminding me just to, to just trust God have faith that whatever you know whatever outcomes are that my life is in God's hands and just really even encouraging me to keep my faith, you know, in the forefront and to put my faith over, over any fears that I was having. Because, you know, they were there, you get a little nervous, especially when you sign that consent form. And after you go down the bottom, they tell you um, this can lead to death, right? So when you get to that part, you're like, okay, this is the real part right here. So she was very instrumental in doing that for me, you know, before surgery, after surgery, you know, letting me know they had a care package for me, you know, now being post-op and just some things that her as a survivor and other women in organization as survivors knew, like, these are some things you're going to need while you're home and recuperating. And then once I got better, I was able now to come and serve in that ministry. So that organization too has been a support to where it's given me a purpose for the pain that I've gone through. So now I'm able to give back to other warriors, survivors, drivers that are going through cancer diagnosis as well so there's been support along the way and if it's it helps it's key it's key but I will tell you even when I had all the people there were days that I did feel alone there were times that for one whatever reason or another that I ended up being home alone for a few hours which it didn't happen often because everybody always tried to be here but sometimes in those moments that's when things would get heavy. Cause I did try to put on, you know, a good face for most people. I didn't want people feeling too bad being around me, um, you know, where the family of friends came to visit. So I did try to put on a good face, but in those moments, oh no, I would just let all the tears come and the crying. But again, just really trusting that God had a bigger plan for this and that this, this moment will turn into something else, you know, that, that I didn't have to get drowned in the moment. Like this is just a, a moment in time. It's not my entire life. So I will do that. So I will just pray in those moments, listen to worship music to get me through when people weren't able to physically be here. I just hung on to my faith. When you're going through challenges, you have to cling to your support system. A lot of us want to just shy away from it because we might be embarrassed to just kind of be open about what's going on with us. But I think when you have a good level of support and people who really understand what it is that you're going through and who are able to take care of things for you, like you said, you had some people that were able to cook for you, 
pray with you to treat your wounds and things like that. I just think that that is a blessing. It does give you the strength and courage to kind of go on through the journey. Um, now, were there any challenges or obstacles that you face during your treatment process? Were there challenges? Um, absolutely, because I mean, chemotherapy is, is basically poison getting pumped into your veins, you know? So um, there were a lot of side effects, um, a lot of side effects. And one of the, the things, because it's funny, they, they made an appointment for me to get a port put in and they didn't even explain what the port was. And when, you know, I just found the appointment was made. So I remember going to have surgery that day. And when the surgeon came, because I'd met her before, but when she came to just kind of go over things, and I was like, no, explain to me what this is, what it's for, what you're going to like. I want to step by step. And she was like, I said, yeah, because I, I'm not, I haven't even processed it yet. Like I was diagnosed a couple, you know, a few weeks ago. Now we're doing surgery. Like I'm, help me process. And the, the more information you give me, the better I am to process. So they, they cut a hole, you know, little slit in your, your chest. They put this device in that that they connected to your veins so this way they're able to to draw blood from it but also to infuse the chemo so it goes straight into your vein and that way and it's not from your arms you know we always give blood from like our arms or whatever but i would be doing this like every other week and blood draws in this so those four veins will probably collapse or my skin wouldn't hold up so they just do it right to your chest they're able to snap a needle right in there so um, every time going for that, that was always um, painful because they would say, oh, we can numb it. And I'm like, God, I don't know. The numbing makes it feel worse than it not being numb. So just imagine every week going to the doctor and getting a needle shoved into your chest, you know? So mentally, that was just always, this is crazy. This is crazy. And that, it took me a long time to get just even accustomed to the port and even though I would go for blood draws I would even say you could can you take it from my arm like we could just skip the whole port you know I tried so many times to skip the port because I don't know mentally that was just tough for me like that a needle was getting stuck into my chest to do this so mentally there there was that physically the chemotherapy um it just it just banged my body up a lot and there's um there's also a, a medication called Nelasta that they give you to kind of help, you know, with the chemotherapy. And then the last time, I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll keep the chemo side effects because then the last actually, um, it helps your body to produce more white blood cells. Um, so again, so the effects of the chemo aren't so bad, but I, you literally feel like you can feel your white blood cells being produced. And, and I know it's going to be hard for you or your listeners to wrap your mind around that, but your white blood cells come out of your bone marrow. So every bone in your body hurts because your bone marrow is now producing more white blood cells than it normally would at the same time. Like it's like all at once. And I mean, the pain in your bones, they're so undescribable. You feel like you can't walk, you can't stand up. Like, I'm, like I said, I live in a two story. It's like, am I going to make it down the stairs? I had to start to go up or down the stairs, lean into the wall and kind of just guide myself down the stairs, um, leaning against the wall, kind of feeling like, I don't think I'll fall, you know, too much if I'm like leaning on something. And thankfully the only time I fell on my stairs, I fell going up. So I didn't fall going down because that would have been over. So, and then just the medication again, when they, when they switched the chemo, because 
the first the first few rounds weren't really shrinking the tumor the way they wanted it to, and that was the, the purpose of me doing chemo in the beginning because the tumor was the size of the lemon, like I said when we started. So instead of just trying to you know take the whole breast off, take the tumor, they're like, okay, let's see if we can shrink it and save the breast, right? Because they they always try different things to save the breast as much as possible. So it's like, let's see if we can shrink it get it down to that great size, like I mentioned before, and, you know, just take it out. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't working with the chemo they were giving me, so they had to, you know, give me a stronger dose. And I thought that dose, the first infusion of that dose, I thought I was going to die. And I remember laying on the floor at the cancer treatment center, literally just asking God to just let me die because the, I could, the pain that was going through my entire body, I, I'd never experienced anything like that and I was just um regurgitating my food at the same time and all I ate that morning was a muffin and a cup of tea but <clears throat> all of that was going on the pain that was in my body from that and they had to pump me with so much morphine just to get um you know just to get me to calm down because my body was just I don't even know if rejecting it is the right word but the chemo was just so strong um my body couldn't handle it my body could not handle it so there were times like that and you know, you might have heard like when people go through chemo, they have like a, um, a, a aluminum taste in their mouth. That is very true. So you literally feel like your mouth tastes like you're chewing aluminum foil. <clears throat> so food doesn't really, you know, taste the same. For me, I had a lot of problems with my nasal passage um, as well and even in my throat. So it was very hard to swallow at some point because again, too, the throat would be so raw because chemotherapy is literally killing every cell in your body, not just the cancer cells. <laughs> you know, it kills the good ones too. That's why you lose your hair. That's why things started breaking down. So there were things that were happening that wasn't in the cute little brochure they gave me as an orientation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there were times I would be like emailing my doctor pictures like, bro, why is my tongue yellow? And he's like, I don't know, send me a picture. And I'm like, and I remember him replying back to me saying, this is interesting. I'm like, wait a minute, you've been doing this for 30 years. Have you never seen this? <laughs> no, he was so like, he's like, can you come into the office tomorrow? I'm like, I can come right now. Like, I can meet you out behind Walmart. Like, what? <laughs> yes. Because he was like, this is interesting. And I'm like, no, this is not what I want to hear. I want you to, you know, tell me, okay, yeah, don't worry. Yeah. It'll go away in a couple of days or, you know, no, he was so like, okay, that, that's new. That's different. So there was just a lot of different things happening that weren't in the book, you know, but God has brought me through so much in my life that <clears throat> this was not the time to start doubting him. This was not the time to be like, oh God, why me? This was not the time for a pity party. This was like, all right, devil, I see. I see what you're trying to do, but guess what? We're going to praise louder. We're going to sing higher. We're going to be in the word longer. My husband will tell you, I would go to church on Sunday. I would have chemo on Friday. And I would be in church on Sunday morning, early service, nine o'clock. We're going to church. And my husband would always say, like, you know, you don't have to go. And our church comes online. They've been online way before COVID. And he was like, you could just watch it at the house. And I'm like, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord and with his people. And I'm going to feel that energy. Like when that drum started and that bass hit, I'm going to be out here worshiping and dancing like David did. And guess what? Because if I drop that, this is the place I want to drop that, right here at the altar. This is where I want to be. If I'm going to be, because guess what? I'm going to be tired. I'm going to feel sick. I'm going to do all of that late in the bed at home. So why stay home and do that? When I know I could come to a place where people love me, they're going to pray over me. They're going to, even the people that wouldn't come because when you have cancer, people think that everything that they do is going to make you worse. 
And I'm like, dude, like, I already got cancer. Like, there's nothing you're going to give me. <laughs> They're always like, oh, your immune system. I'm like, listen, child, that chemo already killed. Whatever you give me, the chemo going to kill. Don't worry about it. But people, would, I would literally be walking in and see people make eye contact with me and they would bow their head. And I'm like, yeah. And that gave me energy. So that gave me, <clears throat> you know, even the mental fortitude to push on, to keep doing. And really, again, just to trust God, because at one point I thought I was the one fighting. And then, like I said, when I was laying on that, um, that floor in the cancer center, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. All I could do was just lay there and just call on Jesus and just be like, help me you know just help me like so just make the pain stop so yeah I, I went to church I, I I leaned on people and and one of the things too I want your listeners to know is that whatever you're going through whether it's cancer you know mental health emotional <clears throat> things again I know we're in a pandemic and this last year has been crazy let people come next to you let them know if you're not okay because it's okay it is okay to not be okay and let people know so that they can help you and it will come from some of the most unexpected places. It will come from some of the most unexpected people. Because I will tell you, there are some friends that completely ghosted me when I was diagnosed, where we have traveled together, we've hung out together, we've shopped together, we've done all this stuff together. But then I was diagnosed with cancer, and child, I didn't even get a text message. Oh. Right? Or one that was like, oh, I'm going to come see you. And that was in 2017. It's 2021. I haven't seen her yet. <laughs> she hasn't made it yet. She's still at work. She's still at work. So yeah, so some friends go to you and that's fine because everybody may not be able to handle what you're going through or dealing with. And that's okay because God literally has other people to serve you, ready to come alongside you. So don't be embarrassed. Don't think like, oh, you know, people are going to think I'm weak. And look, I'm weak. I will tell you I'm weak all day. People say, oh, you're so strong. No, no. I'm not strong, but the power of God just allowed me to press on, to carry on. And he brought people alongside of me that were able to prop me up, that were able to, you know, again, just their energy, just knowing they're praying for me, that energized me. Seeing that them coming, someone, you know, came and, and, and put laid oil on me and prayed over me, him and his wife. And I'm like, that's it. You know what I'm saying? That's it. We're in this together. Like you said, when you heard me talk with Jennifer, my cousin, and you know, she used to eat parfait, like yogurt parfait. She made them herself. And, you know, with blueberries, strawberries, this, and, and yogurt. And I'm like, I don't really like blueberries. And she was like, well, what do you like? I'm like, blackberry. Jennifer would make me like a whole week supply of parfaits every other week. And if she couldn't bring them, she would have, you know, um, her husband Kirk bring them. And one time, I think even her kids, they made me some, um, some chocolate chip rice crispy treats. Right. Because they were like, look, everything can't be healthy. You got to have a little fun. And, you know, with uh, everything you're going through, you need a little fun in your life. And they made me like chocolate chip rice crispy treat. And I think about like, can you imagine how Jennifer's daughter felt to say, like, I'm doing something for Cousin Trish. I'm helping Cousin Trish deal with, you know, this heavy thing she's going through. Let people be a blessing in your life. Let them do that. Let them come in. And I guess, I mean, you don't have to tell them all the details. I'm not saying put all your business in the streets or what have you. But if you're not okay, or if, if you're just overwhelmed with a situation or something, let somebody know. Because I'm telling you, you would be so surprised how people would just come and say, what can I do? Or to just pop up out the blue. I've come home and there were, there was packages at the door. My mom is like, what is it? I'm like, I don't even know. You know, and, and I had friends from all over the country sending me things. Because I, I did put my, and I put my stuff on Facebook. 
because for me, I have family all over the world. I didn't really want to keep taking calls and saying the same things over and over again. So I was like, you know what? I think the easiest way for everybody to know, and my mom could just, you know, write my cousins in England, my family in Jamaica, like everybody can just not go on her Facebook, you know? So I would do an update like at least once a week. I would normally do it when I was going, when I was there for chemo. And I would do an update, take a picture. So they see, look, I'm not dying. I'm like, I don't have no hair, but I'm still cute. I'm still cute with this bald head. Yes. But um, yes. yeah, and, and that was that was another thing I will say for my mental health. The first time I went for chemo, I just we had just come back from Orlando and we got back like maybe midnight. And then I had to be at the cancer center like at 7.30 in the morning. And we had gone to like, um, what was that? Not Splash Mountain, whatever it's called. It's like the new water thing that was up at Universal. We had Universal Studios and then the water park. So my hair, and I had longer hair, of course, then. And um, it was like in two twists on the side. And I went there, just literally rolled out of bed, <laughs> went to the treatment center to start my chemo, whatever. And I remember having the IV and everything. And I went to the bathroom. I looked in the mirror and I was like, girl, you look dry. <laughs> you look so dry. Like, I'm like, no. And I looked at myself that day and I'm thinking, okay, so this is the first day and it's only going to get worse, right? Mm -hmm. So I can't make the next days that I come here that I look like this. Yeah. So I will tell you, every time I went for infusion, your girl face was beat. Do you hear me? Yeah. Eyeshadow, brows, arched, yeah. lip gloss, popping. And I'm going to come in here looking fresh and I'm going to look way better than I feel. But I'm going to look like God is doing something, right? I'm not going to come in here, you know, sometimes if you read the Bible, the people talk about sackcloth and ashes. They would put ash on their face when they're mourning and whatever. And though I had to grieve, honestly, the loss of my breast and what my body was now going to be looking like, but I wasn't going to present that to the world. That's not the face I was going to present. I was like, I wasn't going to present the fear. I wasn't going to walk around saying, oh, here I am, I'm a cancer patient and I'm so fearful for my life. I'm like, mm -hmm. your girl's going to look amazing because I, <clears throat> I serve an amazing God. I'm going to put my faith forward and this is how we're going to be. And it was such a testimony where one of my husband's friends saw me on Facebook. He thought I shaved my head off supporting somebody else. Because <laughs> in his mind, he was thinking there's no way someone's going through cancer and look like this. And sometimes people did say that like, oh, you don't even look sick. And I'm like, sorry to disappoint you. However, <laughs> I am going through it, but I don't, we don't have to look like everything we're going through. Just that balance of, Yes, putting your best face forward and letting your inner circle know how they can know. Because they will. And the ones who don't even worry about them, those aren't, those aren't the ones for you, right? right? Focus on the ones who are there and allow them in to help you and then just put your best face forward. Right, exactly. And I'm glad um, you brought that mental health piece up because I feel like it's not just like the outward appearance for everyone to see, but I think eventually when you look amazing, when you're going through certain right. things when you look the part you begin to believe you feel amazing mm -hmm. too so that's a good part you bring up yes and um you've kind of already answered this question but what message if you have any other messages like that you would like to provide for women in the community who um, may be going through the same thing or same battle as you did uh, that that is a good question. Um, and yeah, you know, right. I've kind of touched on it as far as um, right, letting people in the mental as aspect. You know, keeping your faith um, 
in front of you. And, um, but also take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself. There, there are risk factors, you know, to developing breast cancer. And again, though one in eight women will deal with a cancer diagnosis in their lifetime, it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be as intense as what I went through. My mom also the natural breast. She just lost a little bit of tissue and she has to do just a little bit of radiation as a, as a precaution to say, just in case there's any microscopic cancer cells we didn't catch, let's just go ahead and burn them out. And her skin just looked like she maybe had a sunburn for a day, put a little aloe on it and she was fine. My skin is still discolored almost four years later because of the amount of radiation I had to get almost gave me three degree burn, third degree burn. So do the screenings, take care of yourself, right? So talk to people like these, these are the key things that you can do to be an advocate for your own breast health. Do your self exams every month, get in the shower the same day of the month, whether it's your birthday. So like mine's the 27th, you know, of the month. So the 27th every month, I do my self exam and I still have a natural breast. So I still do them. My right breast, you know, I didn't do a double mastectomy um, because that just wasn't the best um, option for me personally. So I only removed the breast that had the tumor and I still have a natural breast. And every month on the 27th, I do a self-exam while I'm in the shower. And, you know, I just take, um, you know, my three first fingers and I go in an upward motion from the bottom of my breast all the way up to the collarbone. Also feel under your armpit. And this is for men and women. I know we don't talk about the men as much. Because, you know, there's a lower percentage of men developing breast cancer, but guess what? It doesn't even matter what the numbers are. Don't let the statistics get you caught up like, oh, well, I don't have a family history. Or I don't have, the, like, don't let none of those statistics catch you up because when it's you, it's 100%. When it happens to you, that number now becomes 100% of you have this issue, have this diagnosis. So don't get too, you know, weighed down to say like, oh, well, it's only one in 800 men get it and one in eight women. So Men could get breast cancer as well. They need to also, you know, check their their chest area for any abnormalities. Look at yourself in the mirror. So when you come out that shower after doing your self-exam or before you lay down, look at yourself in the mirror with no shirt on. Look if there's anything, you know, again, just any discoloration on your skin, anything that looks like a rash or lumps or just anything that looks different. If one of your breasts starts to look larger than the other, and take a selfie if you need to. Look, we out here taking selfies and hitting angles for everything else. Let's hit those angles for our breast health as well, right? So if you need to take a picture, because sometimes right, we can look at that before and after or what have you, and, and do that. So every single month, make that commitment, make a promise to yourself and a pledge. You know, in Praying Pink, we have the I Pledge workshop where we do that, where women take the pledge to say, I pledge to do this monthly exam every single month. And then every year when you go to the doctor, have them do one, have your doctor check. And if you have a doctor that does not want to do a clinical breast exam on you, find a new doctor. I will tell you that's how my doctor was. I told him that I felt a lump and he just wrote it down in the, in the notes. And I was like, aren't you going to feel it? He was like, no, he said to me, I trust your work. No, bro. I need to trust your word. And I need for you to feel what I feel because you're the professional. So I know what I felt. But yours are the profession, and I want you to document what you felt, not what I said. So I started taking my shirt off, and oh, you're going to do this breast exam and feel it. And you know, he did, and he was like, Oh, wow, right, right, wow. So now write that wow down in my chart that you <laughs> felt. So so you you may have to advocate, and that's fine. Because and the thing you may even have a doctor tell you, 
you know, if you're 30 years old and you notice something abnormal, they might want to tell you it's a cyst or it's this. Listen, get you the right healthcare professional who's listening to you, who's letting, you know, making sure that you do what you need to do. And honestly, get the mammogram, right? People might tell you, oh, a mammogram is so painful. It is literally five minutes of pain. And that five minutes of pain far outweighs the pain that you would go through to have invasive late stage breast cancer, doing chemo, having surgery, doing radiation, and then survivorship. Because I will tell you that there are some days surviving cancer is just as hard as treating cancer. So I'm what, four years into survivorship and I still have six years left of medication to get injected into my abdomen every single month. That's not fun where you could maybe avoid some of this by a five minute mammogram screening. If the doctors tell you that you have dense breasts or you've heard that in the past, ask your doctor to upgrade you to a breast ultrasound. Ask for that upgrade. Again, if you're large busted and, and sometimes if they come back with anything inconclusive, get the MRI. It's like all of these things are out there that you can do. There's even 3D you know, imaging that are offered at some women um, centers. And I even want your listeners to know be willing to pay for it. Even if your insurance doesn't cover it, be willing to pay for it. I cannot stress this enough, especially in our community, people spend hundreds of dollars for that Brazilian hair, right? They spending all this money for hair. We do mani-pedis, we have brunch, you know, Sunday brunch and all these other things that we're doing, you know, and looking real cute on social media. But we need to put our money into our health. So we need to Pay, be willing to pay for the screening if you need. If your insurance provider doesn't pay for 3D imaging, but your doctor is saying like, you know, right, your breasts are very dense, we really can't get a clean image, pay the $150, pay the $300 for it. Because I promise you, the investment you make in yourself on the front end is far worth it more because I paid $90 to see my specialist, to see my oncologist, and that's with insurance. And it was $90 every week that I was going to the oncologist. They tried to get me where like I would go and it was, you know, I'm not going to say where it was, but I'm going to say, you know, like you check in for each doctor and they're like, so you want me to pay 90 for the oncologist and 90 for the surgeon? Now nah, you tell her to come over to this room where I am. I'm not coming now. You're going to get 90 from me one time. We ain't paying like, you know what I'm saying? So you, for, you know, do what you got to do. Because make sure no one's getting over on you, but honestly, be willing to pay. Because again, we're paying a lot of money out here to have Gucci, Coach, and all these other people's names on us. So we just need to put that money back into ourselves. So I can't stress enough the monthly exam, um, doing the clinical exam, doing the mammogram, getting the screening. That's what I want them to know. And even if you have to deal with a cancer diagnosis. Do not be afraid of any of it, right? Do not be afraid of it. There are 3.8 million cancer, breast cancer survivors in the United States today. 3.8 million of us have faced this. And we're here to tell you that you're not alone. You can get through and we're here for you. So like I said, I'm with the organization Praying Pink that's local here to South Florida. You can look us up on Instagram, Facebook, hashtag Praying Pink is our name. Um, and it's P-R-A-Y-I-N-P-I-N-K, no G, pray in pink. So um, you can look us up. We're a support that's here for you as well. If anyone you know that is diagnosed with, um, with breast cancer or that, you know, is going through treatment right now, we have care packages that we would love to give them, which are, again, thoughtful packages that we put together. They're free to, you know, the cancer patient. Um, we'll deliver them. We'll ship them. 
whatever the case is, you know, if one of your listeners out there saying, I know someone that's dealing with that and you want to purchase one for them, we can do that. And we'll do that. We'll ship it anywhere in the U.S. So, um, you know, again, just it's a thoughtful gift that when I was going through chemo, I would just show up, right? I would just show up with my cell phone and I would always have to ask for water. I'd have to ask for tissue. I'd have to ask because I didn't know that I could come prepared. I didn't know that I could do that. So I figured, oh, I'm here. I'll just get anything I need while I'm here. But nurses are running around. The techs are running around. Like I'm always going to wake somebody down and stop them where now we provide these, these packages where we give you the water bottle. We give you the tea to drink when you get home to help with nausea. We give you the neck pillow. We give you the tissue, the gum, the sanitizer, the mint. So you get that aluminum tape out your mouth. We provide all of those things in a, in a really nice package, um, care package and a tote bag to take it in. So when you go for chemo, you just pick up your tote bag and you can walk out the door and be prepared, you know, um, in what you need. So, so pray and pink, we're here for you. You know, I'm Trisha. You can find me too. Trisha knows best on any, um, social media platform. I'm here for you personally. And, but again, I cannot stress the mammogram enough. So get your mammogram. Yes, ladies, go and get your mammogram, especially if you missed it last year because of the pandemic. It is time to get back in there and get your screenings. And again, you said that the organization that you have is called Pray in Pink. Yes, so Pray in Pink. It's all one word. So, um, you know, on Instagram or Facebook, it's at Pray in Pink. Mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, and our website is prayinpink11.org. But you can go and you can, you know, check us out, see what we're about, see some of the other programs um, and services that we provide um, as well. Or if you want to volunteer or donate, you might say, you know what, I, I want to help you guys help the women that you're helping mm -hmm. and be able to continue providing um, support to them. So there, you know, you can go to our donate page, just volunteer with us, again, local in the, um, in the community of Southwest Miami Bay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're open to all of that. So we, we want to help people. Again, if you're a survivor, that saying you know what I went through cancer and I don't know what to do with it come come meet with us come meet with us we'll help give you purpose to that pain that you went through we'll put you in a position where you can whether in the forefront or even behind the scenes we can help you to help others whether you yourself or somebody in your family has been affected by cancer and I do want to say that even though we focus on breast cancer in our organization we will help women dealing with any cancer type because one of the things that we found is that even if you have ovarian cervical cancer, we're doing a lot of the same treatments. We're all getting chemo, we're all doing surgery, we're all doing radiation, it's just on a different body part. So we don't discriminate if you're not, if your ribbon is a pink, we don't discriminate. If you need support, Pray in Pink is here for you. Yes, Pray in Pink, go and visit Pray in Pink. And Trisha, thank you so much for being here with me this morning. It's early for both of us, I know. <laughs> But I your dedication and your service. And mm -hmm. you are such a beautiful person on the outside yeah. as well as on the inside. And I just commend you for your strength and your courage. And I just hope that we'll be able to work together again at some point because getting this message out is very important. So again, mm -hmm. thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it because I know you could have anybody on, right? And you chose to have me, so I, I don't take it lightly. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you are welcome. And as I always say at the end, that is a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to the Eavesdrop Podcast. I hope that you not only enjoyed listening to Trisha, but I pray that you have been inspired to follow up with your annual screenings if you haven't done so already. I want to leave you with a few tips. Become accustomed to doing your breast exams monthly. Doing so will help you become aware of how your breast tissue feels so that when something unusual appears, it will be more noticeable to you. If you have a strong family history of breast cancer, especially cancer in a first degree relative, talk to your doctor about the BRCA, also known as the BRCA 1 and 2 mutation screening. If you have been told that you have very lumpy or fibrocystic or dense breast tissue, be sure to talk to your doctor about having a 3D mammogram, also known as a tomosynthesis, and a breast ultrasound for your yearly screening. Lastly, if it is your time, sis, to do your mammogram, be sure to make your appointment as soon as you can. Don't put it off any longer. And if you would like more information on breast cancer prevention, visit the Susan G. Coleman Breast Cancer Research website at coleman.org. And on behalf of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, share this episode with someone you love. It may save a life. And if you are enjoying the eavesdrop, be sure to subscribe, rate, and share the show with others. And follow the eavesdrop on Instagram at the real eavesdrop underscore podcast again that is the real eavesdrop underscore podcast visit the eavesdrop online at the eavesdroppodcast.com well until the next episode be well be whole and be blessed bye